You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast, brought to you by NBA 2K23. BJ Armstrong and Mo Moosey alongside. Uh, here to break down everything from the world of the NBA. If you missed yesterday's show, you should go and check that out. We spoke about some of the trades that people think are very likely to happen before the NBA's trade deadline in just under a month from today. Uh, BJ, towards the end of the show yesterday, you actually said something that was very interesting and I think a lot of people don't mm. take account for speaking for the fans and the media and that's the human side of getting traded. Now, you yourself have been on every angle possible of a trade. You've been a player who's been traded. You've been an executive who's made trades. And now you're mm -hmm. an agent who, you know, has players that get traded. So I would love today if you could share with our listeners here each three of those steps as a player, as an executive, and as an agent, what the trade process is like. So starting off as a player, do you know that you're likely to be traded? Do you pay? Did you pay a lot of attention to the kind of rumors that go on and your name in a newspaper and the headlines saying he, he's in trade talks and sources say, I don't know if that was a thing in the 90s. Do players have much inkling of whether or not they're going to be traded before they get the call saying that it's happened? Well, I, I, I think the, the first time you hear your name, or at least for me, just to give my experience, the first time I heard my name in trade rumors, I didn't know what to think, right? That was the first time, you know, a trade rumor, when you hear your name for the first time, it felt like to me, uh, rejection. It was the first time, like, what do you mean? Like, no one wants me to be here. Like, you know, you, you play in high school, you know, for the most part, you, you know, people want you on the team, right? The coach, the players, you're one of the better players. You go to college. Yeah, you're, you're the, the best team. player around. Yeah, you go to the NBA, people draft you, telling you what you're going to do, what you're going to add to the team. And then all of a sudden, you know, sources said, you know, uh, <laughs> he's going to get traded. So it felt like total rejection. And I didn't know exactly how to deal with it. And um, when I first heard about it, because it, it was like, it was like, you don't go into the locker room and be like, hey, guys, did you read the, back then you used to read the newspaper. Did you hear, hey, did you see that I was in the trade rumor today's trade section of the paper? <laughs> or, you know, now you hear Woj and you, you know, you hear things now on Twitter and so forth and so on. So it was a, it was a very brand new experience to me. And I remember when it first happened, I had like a couple games where I just wasn't myself. I just, you know, it wasn't like, you know, the GM said he wanted to trade me or the coach. It was a source. Rumors. And you don't, yeah, rumors in the rumor section. And I remember I had a vet said, hey, B, you know, you know, you know, they call me kid, right? Say, like, kid, let's go grab lunch. So, all right, whatever, you know, I could, I could, I could use a friend right now to get my mind off things. I remember we were on the road and I never forget, he said this to me and it just made all the sense in the world. He was like, Hey, I know it's hard for you right now, you know, with the trade rumors. And I was just shocked that the vets, you know, I wanted to be you know, a guy who didn't let things bother me on the outside because, you know, I felt a responsibility. I was trying to learn how to be a pro. And he said, listen, I know that's always hard for you. He goes, I remember when it first happened to me. He said, he said, but I'm going to tell you the secret to this, to this business. And I remember he said it and the word business just like 
he didn't say, I'm going to tell you the secret to the NBA. He said, I'll tell you about this business. Mm-hmm. He said, the moment you stop hearing your name in trade rumors, that means you're probably out of the league. Mm-hmm. He says, so embrace every trade rumor that you have, because that means you're a part of the business. But in order for you to maximize this business, you better perform every time you step onto the court. It doesn't matter where you get paid, but what it does matter is that you get paid. And he said it just like that. Mm-hmm. He didn't make a, it wasn't very, it wasn't dramatic. It wasn't an emotional. It just made sense to me. And it still makes sense now that when you don't hear your names in the trade room remote, that means nobody wants you. That means you're probably <laughs> on your way out of this league. <laughs> and from that moment on, Mo, I wanted to make sure that my name was in every trade rumor. That meant that I had a chance to be a part of this business because I dreamed of playing in the NBA. And from that moment on, Mo, I never looked at another trade rumor or it never affected me in the way that it did when I first saw my name. So I think it's great for everyone to be in a trade rumor. You know why? It's because that means as long as you have a chance, Mo, to make that shot, and then if you're open in the corner, Mo, if you get the ball, you shoot it, you got a chance to make it. When they stop passing you the ball, Mo, <laughs> that means it's over. So it never concerned me. It doesn't concern me now. When I hear my guys and they're like, well, how come, you know, how come you don't, I don't care. It's not that I don't care. It's like, it's great. Because as long as someone wants you in this league, you're you're living out your dream. You have a chance. You have a chance to have a career in this league as long as there's one person out there who wants you. And I never forgot that as a young player. That happened my, like, rookie year, right around the trade deadline. And it was just comforting to know that as long as I can perform up here, I will have some say in my destiny. Did I always know where I was going to get traded? I didn't. Did I know when? I didn't. But but I, as long as I went out and played and performed, though, Mo, I knew there was always going to be a landing space for me. And yes. then I was on my way to becoming a professional. And that, to me, just allowed me to just only be concerned about the things I knew I could control. And I could control how I played when I went out there on the court, or at least – give my best effort. So when you do get traded and you get the call saying that that move has been made, there's been reports where some players have been traded during a game and they're sat there on the bench. There's some players who have said that they got traded whilst getting onto the team plane to go to a road game. There's some players who find out from the media that they've been traded. How much typically for a a run-of-the-mill kind of trade notices a player get and when you get that call, what's the process? Straight away, you get the call. All right, cool. Going to go pack my bags, pack up my apartment, and head leave town. What's the process like of the actual no, it, it's, being it's, traded? Yeah, it's not that simple. Um, well, what ends up happening is, you know, trades normally happen probably over the summer, in my opinion. Like, so you'll say... Mo will say, okay, I, 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 I'll let no Mo go. I go, Mo, who's available on your team? And you'll be like, oh, okay. Everyone's available except X, Y, and Z. 
Oh, okay, great. Great to know. Let's just keep talking. Okay. Now, everyone has what's called the setup call. Okay. That's how the setup calls always happen. Who's in play? Mm -hmm. This is from I'm an executive perspective. That's from an executive, right? You may have a fill out call. You may have, you know, such and such. Mo so someone, Mo's working for whatever, another organization, and I'm working for another organization. And they'll be like, Mo, call your guy BJ, see what's up, who they like on their team. Those are, those are always, it, what do you think? Well, not what do you think? That's why you have lost, that's why you have Las Vegas Summer League. Everyone's figuring out, Summer League isn't to develop players. Summer League is to figure out who on your team you can trade. But, because if you determine that this guy who you just drafted can fill in for this guy who is on the last year of his contract or maybe if you're trying to get that contract off your books, you're going to trade the guy. That's what, that's what Summer League is really all about. You're trying to, to determine the value of everyone on your team as quickly as possible. So trades are being set up right there in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So then if you, once you get to, once you go to training camp, you get a chance to evaluate your team again. Sometime you'll be like, I need to see my team play. I'm going to give them the first 20. That's why I get, that's where I got the 25 game mark. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to make any moves early. We're going to go to training camp with this team and, and let's see what they do after 25 games. That setup call, now you're going to be like, we're 12 and 12. I thought we were going to be better. Mm -hmm. We got to make a trade. So now the setup call goes to, hey, Mo, how things going? Ah, we're 12 and 12. How you guys doing? Well, we're 13 and four. You know, we're, let's say, you know, we're we're, we're 20 and we're, we're, we're 20 and four, right? Things are going well. It's such and such. Uh, I know we talked over the summer, you know, how – Anybody available? Now the guy that suddenly wasn't available on your 12 and 12 team, now he's available. Mm -hmm. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now, you strategically say that because you've are you, that's why everyone has what's called the salary sheets. You know that everyone knows who's available by saying whether a guy's available or not. So if I say a guy is available and you know his salary off the top of your head, because that's your job as an executive. Yeah. This guy just said a $16 million guy's salary is available. He's saying without saying, okay, now if you want to play ball, let's play ball. Mm -hmm. Now, you didn't actively say that's where – you that's where the rumor that's where the the the, the thing says sources said because you didn't say i'm going to trade mo or i'm going to trade player x you just said everybody is available yeah okay now so that's the second call so now that you know he's available now it's just putting together the package and you're trying to get that as low as possible while somebody else or the, the team that's trying to trade it is trying to drive it up as high yeah. as possible. Yeah, it's bargaining. Okay. So that's how a trade happens. Now, everybody now in the NBA, they're determining as we speak whether or not they are going to try to push 
to get into the play-in game, or they're going to go and say, we're going to evaluate our young players to see what we got. Can I ask you this? If these calls, if these talks happen at Vegas Summer League, that's quite early on in the season, and then Mm -hmm. the calls start to happen 25 games into the season. Why no, do the we... calls are happening all the time? They're happening yeah, yeah, all the yeah. time. But go, yeah, go yeah, yeah. But you, you said like 25 games is a good benchmark to have. Well, we're 12 mm-hmm. and 12, we're 20 and 5. Yeah. Why do we yeah. not usually see many trades until right up until the deadline? Is it just using the deadline as leverage in your negotiation? Yes. Yeah. You 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 don't you don't want okay. So the reason you wait to the deadline is because. You don't want to make a trade where someone else can counter you. So, for instance, let's say I'm just making this example. Let's say the Milwaukee Bucks wanted to make a trade right now. And then Milwaukee Bucks suddenly they trade for a wing player who they feel could guard. They say, well, we know we're going to see Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and they're going to get a wing player. Now, you could see what your Celtics have already done. The Celtics are have already prepared to make whatever move is necessary, but they're going to wait to make it because they want to make it where no one else can counter whatever they decide to do. So they got rid of Von Lay, traded, and now they have a roster spot. Mm-hmm. So they can do what's called a two-for-one now. Yep, They can take in, if they identify whatever player, they have a space to take that contract off your books, which would save them money, and bring it to their team to get whatever they're looking for. However, if you make your move too early, the other team can counter it. Mm-hmm. So you always make your move, you know, as late as possible, so that if you have a chance to win, the other team can't counter it. Now, some organizations will make a move because they say, you know what, instead of going to free agency, you normally see smaller market teams do this. They will make their move because they say that was our free agent signing. Okay. Okay. So it doesn't really matter. It's just now it's just about making a transaction and doing your book. So let's say a player, you will see a player, for instance, like um, a guy who have three years left on his deal. So you don't even go to free agency. You'll just absorb that contract now. And it really doesn't matter when you absorb it. But if you're trying to win, you're going to wait as let's late as possible because you're playing chess you're trying yeah. to figure out how to make sure you have the best team when the playoffs start and you don't want to give your team because they're always looking at each other to see what's going on mm-hmm. now from the agent side of things you being an agent and i'm, I'm not going to ask you about any current discussions or anything that's going on sure, right you now. Can ask me anything you want it's, it's no secrets oh, uh, as an agent how much involvement do you have in players and trades? It depends. Because it depends on it depends on the trade. It depends on the do player. Do teams call you and say, BJ, we're thinking of trading for your player X? Would he be happy with his trade? Would you be happy with his trade? Or do teams just call the other team and say, we want player X? And then you just get a call saying, your guy's been traded. Because one of the biggest questions we always get on the show. People always talk about the clip of you on the phone to Derek Rose telling him that he's mm-hmm. been traded away from Chicago. People love to ask about mm-hmm. that and that whole ordeal and that whole experience. So how mm-hmm. involved are agents, not just you specifically, but other agents around the league 
in these kind of things. It, it happens. It, 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 sometimes it happens. Listen, it happens. Every player is different. Every situation is different. It's not like there's one way to do a trade. Sometimes, literally, sometimes, Mo, you may get a call and you haven't spoken to this person in years. Mm-hmm. Right? You Other than, you know, hey, you see each other at Summer League and Summer League, or you finals, see each other at, yeah, where whatever you might see each other at a at a GM conference or whatever, and all of a sudden I may call Mo and say, "Listen, hey Mo, hey, I know you got a problem, I got a problem. Let's let's make a trade." Oh, who, what you thinking? And then nine times out of ten, you say, "Wait, well, let me talk to my owner. I'll talk to you. Talk to your owner, and let's get back." And a trade will happen. And everybody go, "Oh, I didn't see that coming." Like yeah, but, I remember, go ahead. Sorry. Like, yeah. For instance, like for instance, remember when Porzingis was traded to the Dallas Mavericks from the New York Knicks? Phil Jackson. No one saw that coming. No. Yeah. No one saw that. No, that. No, that. No, Phil, Phil wasn't there. Was that Phil after? Wasn't, Phil wasn't there. Yeah, it was after. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was Steve Mills and those guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know those guys. So, no one saw that coming. So the agent. I'm sure didn't see it coming. The media had no inclination that it was coming. Things sometimes just happen. Sometimes you will get a tip that those guys have been talking about a trade. Sometimes you will request a trade and they'll give you permission to go and orchestrate a trade. Sometimes you'll work with the team. They'll say, hey, we're going to do what's best for us. And remember when Mello asked for a trade, remember when Mello asked for a trade from, Denver. The, from the, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes some, so all of these things has happened. This is just part of the business that we're in. So, um, you know, going back to the Derek situation, it wasn't that I, you know, it wasn't that I, I didn't, you know, look, I feel there was a part of me that felt really bad because I knew what he really wanted, right? He really wanted to be in Chicago. Make no doubt about it. Okay. That was his first time being traded. That was his first time. Remember, I tell you, the first yeah. time is always the most difficult time, right? That, I mean, I got then how and why he felt the way he felt. However, I wanted to also be ultra professional with him in a moment that he felt the way he felt. And the reason I want to be professional because life goes on. And I knew then that we were going to be able to look back on it and he was going to say, oh, wow, that's the business. Because that's a part of the business. That was his first time seeing a business that's been happening now for 75 years. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Everyone gets traded. Everyone gets traded at mm -hmm. one point or another during their career. The first time is always the most difficult time because that's the first time you've ever seen or experienced something like that. However, the thing that, you know, I, I wanted to do for him is the same thing that that veteran did for me is to say, this is the business you're in. Have your moment. Take whatever time you need. Express yourself however you need to express yourself. However, this league is going to just keep, they're going to be trades. Yeah. 
sometimes you're in them, sometimes you're not. And it doesn't matter whether the trade was the right thing, the wrong thing. What hap- what, what matters is, is that you got to get yourself ready and, 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 and grab a hold of yourself and get yourself ready for the business that we've all chosen to be in. And that's very hard. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. So that's what you saw. Now, however you looked at it, it happens to everybody. Like I remember, I, I remember when I first got traded, right? I remember when I first got traded, you need a moment, right? You, everybody needs a moment to like say, Hey, what, what just happened here? Right. What just happened? Mm-hmm. And I wish I would have had a BJ or somebody there to comfort me when that happened, like that happened for him. Right. Yeah. I wish but I remember when I was there, I was sitting there by myself. Like I was like, like, how am I supposed to feel about this? Am I supposed to be excited about it? Am I supposed to be like uh, rejected about it? Am I supposed to be happy about it? Am I supposed to, because the new team that traded for you, they're thrilled. They are just thrilled because they, everyone always feel what's the first thing we do in the media who won the trade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You understand? Yeah. So what you don't want to do is get on. That's why it's important that you express yourself because the new team that does trade for you, they are thrilled. They're like, we got our guy. That's the guy that's going to help us. That's the guy that's going to. And if you get on the phone and you're like, oh, man. I don't know about this. You know, they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> we wouldn't. You see. Yeah. yeah so yeah. there's so many mixed emotions that come with the trade. So everyone's looking at, you know, the, the thing about the Derek thing, because, you know, you mentioned that one is we're just looking at it from the Chicago point of view. Yeah. My biggest thing was what did the Knicks think? Like he gets traded and he, and he has a, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. To one of the biggest markets, if not the biggest yeah. market. So what what did the Knicks think? Like, does he not want to be here? Is he that you know what I'm saying? So again, it's just there's a level of professionalism that you gotta have, and it's okay to have those emotions. You should have those emotions. Why? Because you care. But at the same time, you you know. You can't forget about the team that traded whatever they traded to get you. Yeah. You know, and nine times out of 10, they are trading because they feel that they're getting something that could really help them as they're trying to build their organization or build their team. And um, so, like I said, it's, it's okay. It's however you express yourself. It's okay with me. Do players get any say in where they get traded to? If if a team comes to them and says, hey, sometimes, BJ, we're, we're thinking of trading you to the moon, right? Whoever. Well, do sometimes. You, if a player says no, how much weight does that well, carry? Most, well, again, sometimes, just like I just mentioned to you, you want to make sure that that player wants to be there. You get traded and then you see a guy just break down and start like, you're like, does that mean he does want to come here. Does that mean he doesn't want to come here? Mm. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? When you're looking at it from the outside, because like, again, the team that's making the trade, they're giving up something to get you. So sometimes it's important to have a conversation with 
people or people that may know that person to say, would he entertain that idea? And then it's easier to it's easier for you to get traded when you have some idea that you're gonna get traded because now you've kind of worked through the emotional part of it. And you it's easier to accept other than when you when it first happened, because you know, if you see a player gets traded during the course of a game, right? I remember was it like Harrison Barnes or somebody got traded yeah. in the middle of a game or something, right? It's always shocking to you, right? It's a but the key is is understanding the business that you're in. It's part of the business. You don't know when these things are going to happen, but they're going to happen, and you just deal with them accordingly. But I think the 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 understanding that you have of understanding the business you're in will allow you to get through it. But it doesn't make it any easier just because you understand the business. If you had one piece of advice to give to a player who's just been found out he's been traded, but he hates the destination that he's been traded to. There's no, maybe it's the worst city to live in and they're at the bottom of the standings and it's the worst situation. What advice would you give that player? Well, the first thing is, you know, Mo, there is no worse place in the NBA. Yeah, that's it's the, the NBA. <laughs> the okay, the okay, check's still cash. Okay. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing, you're only as good as your best player. You mm. can't have a bad team if you have good players. Okay. The best players go to the worst teams. I'm going to repeat that. The best players get drafted in the lottery because those are the worst teams. So Mm -hmm. if you are going to a bad team, well, you got to look at yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Sorry. Sorry. No, 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 it's, 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 it, it, there are good players on bad teams. Yes. There are good players on bad teams. Okay. That's why we play. And then that's why you're constantly looking. That's why you have to respect the game because, you know, you could be, you know, you take, for instance, you take Andrew Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins two or three years ago, right? He was playing for the Timberwolves and people kept saying the Timberwolves mm-hmm. aren't going any place and da, da, da. And then suddenly he gets in another environment and now he's the second best player on a championship team. Mm -hmm. Okay. There are good players everywhere in this league. The key is, the, the, the key is figuring out where you are and what your contribution is and what you can really do and what you can't do in this league. That's called a pro. Yeah. That's called a pro. So I came into the league, you know, like all the players, you you don't know anything. You come in, you figure it out. I suddenly realized how good everybody was in this league. And I had to make a decision because I knew I was never going to be as good as some of those guys. Some of those, some of these players are so gifted, right? They're so gifted that you have to realize that what I can do is become a pro. So I just concentrated on becoming a professional, meaning I knew what I could do and I knew what I couldn't do. And mm-hmm. I knew every single night somebody could always utilize a pro. Yeah. Some Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it takes two. Sometimes it takes three. Sometimes it never happened. Mm-hmm. But so the quicker and sooner you can learn how to become a pro, you have a chance to have a career in this league. And, you know, when you when you come into this league, 
you know, we all, you know, we we tend even in our business currently, right? Podcasting and TV, we talk about the star players. Mm -hmm. But truthfully speaking, 99% of all the players are really role players. Yeah. There's only one or two stars in each team. Each team. Okay. And, and we can debate on whether they're stars. Okay. A star is literally a standalone player. There's only maybe five. three to five guys, three to five guys who can go anywhere and they would be the best player on any team. Like if you put Giannis on any team, he would be Giannis. If you put KD on any team, he'd be KD. You know, and there's there are others. However, you know, you got to figure out how where you fit into this equation with these really gifted players. I mean, some of these players are so good. You just never know until you get there. You know what I mean? Like you, you play with people and you play like sometimes I got traded, right? I would get traded and I would go on other teams and I'd be like, well, I had no idea this player was that good mm -hmm. because who, they were playing the, their who's role. Who's the biggest shock? Who was the biggest shock? When you walked into practice and you were like, I did not know he could cook like this. Well, I'm going to tell you one of the players, I'm going to tell you one of the players who, because I was on, I was in Chicago, right? I remember when I went to Golden State, I had no idea that Latrell Sprewell was that good because I only mm. saw him twice a year. Yeah, yeah. Iconic. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, so like Spree was like, like I saw him when we played, you know, I see him on television. You know, I maybe ran across him a couple of times in the summer, but I got a chance to see him every day when I got traded to go to state. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I had no idea he was that athletic. I yeah. had no idea he was that level that he would compete. I, had, You know what I mean? So, so when you go from one conference to another, you get a chance to see players that you don't get a chance to see. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember being in a shooting drill with Chris Mullen and I was like, Man, this dude can really, really shoot. Like, I knew he could shoot, <laughs> but you was like, no, but he could really shoot. Really, really, he could really shoot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and it, that just came to mind. That, that was like my first time I got traded. So it was yeah. like eye opening, right? You know what I mean? And so I got a chance to play against different players now on a more, more regular basis because I was going from one conference to another, which was great. You know what I mean? And so I got a chance, but I remember getting a chance to see Latrell Sprewell. Now I had been on the East coast, so I had saw most of those players. I knew that conference, yeah. but once you go to the other conference, you get a chance to see them a little more. So it was, it was, you know, I, I remember playing against uh, Nick Van Exel, I believe. Oh, Nick the quick. So I, I, I didn't play against him all the time in, in the East, you know, in the Eastern conference. But when I got a chance to see him in the Western Conference and I was out here in California, I was like, oh, OK. All right. And then yeah. so that was but that was just it was just like but that happens to every player. You know what I mean? It, there's a learning curve that you get a chance to see guys. But I, in particular, that was my first time seeing an all star caliber player, a different all star caliber player who I didn't see as much, even though we were in the NBA. I would only see him twice a year. And then if he miss a game, I maybe I didn't even see him that year. You know what I mean? Or you only saw him once that year on a, you know what I mean? Or you might have caught them on the fourth game of fourth game in five days on the back of a road trip. So that's not a good indicator of who that player really is.
and vice versa when we was traveling on the West Coast. So, but he was a player that I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, opened my, and I was like, okay. I and it, and it was one of the best things that happened for me was when I got traded because I got a chance to see more how the, I got a chance to see the, the rest of the league. I got a chance to learn new systems. I got a chance to develop relationships. I got a chance to see a different brand of basketball, but more importantly, it was a huge learning curve. It was like rejuvenating in some regards because I get a chance to live out my dream. You know what I mean? Now I, I went from playing in one offensive set with these different players to other defensive schemes and offensive schemes. So I kind of embraced going to other places because I got a chance to learn other systems. Like, what do I really like? And then, and then the fun thing about playing in the NBA mode, the real uh, uh, fun thing for me, okay, this is going to be sound crazy, but you start to realize different systems that you would fit in and you could play well in. Yeah. So the how that was done their offense. And yeah. And that, well, just how you would fit in, like, for instance, you know, like, I had never played with a shot blocker before. And I would always imagine what it would be like playing with a Patrick Ewing or Akeem Olajuwon or David Robinson. Yeah. So I would have these in-depth conversations with Kenny Smith and these guys. They're like, man, what is it really like playing knowing that you're playing with a guy who could like erase a shot if a guard gets by you? Yeah. And then I remember Ron Harper had this thing he played with, you know, when he played with like Larry Nance and these guys, when he first played at Cleveland, he learned how to play defense from behind. And I, and, and, and I never, and I never would. You would have never, never thought that because that wasn't needed in the system that you were playing. He, in. He playing in it. Yeah. And his job was, he knew he had a shot blocker with like Larry Nance and he had big bodies with like Brad Dirty. And he just wanted to make sure that that player didn't have the option to fade away. Up. Yeah. So I was like, oh, wow. Like, you, you know, so you start to see these things and all of a sudden, Mo, it opens your mind. So every year I was always like, like I remember watching like the, the late Jerry Sloan and I would imagine what it would be like playing his with a screen guy and like Carl Malone. Yeah. It's screen <laughs> it's screen all every okay. possession. You average every... since the game. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Because I had never done that before. And then you would play against like a Tim Hardaway. And this guy was playing I'm with so much freedom. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and, and then you, you know, so that was really fun for me, Mo, because you, you it was like every game was a learning curve. And then you had to learn how to play. And then you started to like you know, develop relationships with it and stuff like that. So I enjoyed it because I just loved the game. And it was like, oh, wow, this was like new. And then, you, you know, you, you saw big guards coming into the league, right? And then you start seeing Penny Hardaway and, and these guys, and you were like, oh, wow. And I had played against Magic, so I kind of had a little taste of playing against. But, you know, it, and then you had these little guards like, you know, Michael Adams and Spud Webb and mm. Muggsy Bogues and, so, you know, it was just, the NBA was so much fun for me, well, because I, I got a chance to learn. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, the, looking around the league. However, um, you know, you're going into an unknown thing. And I, I'll say this, you know, change is hard. It's hard for a lot of people. But when I look back on it, Mo, my greatest growth as a person 
and as a player is when every time I was traded. I mean, if if I can yeah. say it now, like my greatest growing mo, I learned so much from all those places, and I like I enjoyed every moment of it. It was it hard, yeah, because you got to move, you got to get yourself together, you got to here, and then if you have a family, you got to you know because you're you know it's always tougher on your family schools you and that sort of stuff schools but and they, uh, that's a good wholesome takeaway though yeah but so, i i i i enjoy like i enjoy it i'd enjoy it like i that's why i enjoy watching the games now because you get the chance to see new things you're like oh i haven't seen that play before or oh i haven't seen that oh they're like like pl- watching guys play a five out offense mo i just never seen it the closest that i ever played against it was the run tmc thing yeah Okay, um, you know, I like when I see guys shooting, shooting. When I see five shooting, you know, threes, Deep threes. Right? I, I immediately, I immediately think yeah, of like you, you know the late minute bowl. Yeah, I, yeah. And I start thinking of like, you know, like Bill Lambeer was shooting threes, right? He wasn't shooting as frequent as these guys. But you start thinking about wow, like, you know, you start thinking of like how the game has evolved. And you saw him, but you just didn't see him like you see him now. So to me, it's really cool. And that's what I'm saying. That you know, people say old school, new school. No, I, I just keep watching the game. And you keep true watching school. It and you keep yeah, you just keep watching this and you keep saying, I remember when I can remember when when Newt Bowl was shooting threes. Mm. We didn't know what to do. Like, Mo, you didn't like you didn't you couldn't know even put a hand up. You couldn't even get a hand right. to his face, let alone put a contest to show. <laughs> everybody, think about this. Everybody was taught on defense in transition. You run back to the paint, protect mm-hmm. the paint so someone can't, and then you would identify shooters because no one was like literally running to the three-point line. Yeah, because now guys don't even run to the lane. They run, they flare out to the three-point right, line the so the player can line. attack and dish. And when Renewed Bowl was shooting threes, Mo, I can remember watching this game on television. Renewed Bowl was playing against the Phoenix Suns. I remember, for some reason, I was watching that game. And I can't remember how many threes he made, but he was making threes, and no one on the court knew what to do. (laughs) Like, do we rotate to the guy? Like, who told him he could shoot threes? And I just remember thinking, God, what are we going to do? And we didn't know what to do when we saw Manute Bowl. Like, it wasn't a theme mode where you went small ball. You know, I think Don Nelson was the only guy at the time who was who would think to do something like that. But here was yeah. a guy who was seven something here, seven, three, or four, and he was shooting three. So yeah, I think he had six three pointers in that game and three blocked shots as well. Like yeah, it was Bo, it was so Bo, it was so like radical. Bo, I mean, I remember we were all talking about it in the locker room. Man, did you see this guy? Like, who is this guy? Like, what are we gonna do? And so those were like, Bo, it was literally that's what made it fun because you know, that's the one thing I will say that to me, which made it fun, every night provided a different challenge. Playing mm-hmm. now, Mo, I I like. Everyone plays the same now. So, I, you know, I love it when I see something new because I'm always looking to see something new. I'm always looking. I love it when people have, like, new plays, right? Like, I remember when they first started doing these plays now called Screen to Screener, right? Yep. They brought that in from and a lot when, of European leagues. Used yeah, that. yeah. It was, like, it was like a Euro thing. I think Spain or somebody yeah, started doing Yeah, they called it Spain it, right? or a stack pick and roll. And I think the Phoenix yeah, yeah. Suns so, you know, used it a lot. And um, 
the Dallas Mavericks used a lot, and now the rest of the league is all doing it. Yeah, so I remember when I first saw that, I was like, I was so excited. I was like, oh, man, I just saw a new play. Like, how would you defend it? How would you play? I was like, oh, man, I would love to play. I would love to have ran that play because, you know, you see the options. So I'm always looking for to see things that are new. However, you know, that's to me in the NBA, when I when when I played, every team had a different system of play. Yeah. Every team so you had, had your, a different your balls challenge. with a triangle. You had you all the screen roll stuff with the Utah the, Jazz. You had Jazz. the run TMC, Golden State Warriors, you who are out running and gunning. Like the Pistons played a certain way. The, the Houston Rockets played a certain way. The Knicks played a certain like San Antonio had a, and yeah. Antonio and Mo, every game you had to play different. Now, Mo, like everyone's just like ISO, screen roll, screen roll, ISO, screen roll. <laughs> but, but that's that's you know, we're getting we're going down the rabbit hole. We we sounding like two old men here now. We're complaining about today's game. But well, we're talking about I'm trades. Not complaining. I'm just a, yeah, yeah, we're talking about trades. And I need everyone listening to this to make a trade. Whatever other podcast you listen to, if you're not listening to this every day, trade away your other po- podcasts. This is where you need to be rocking. That was 45 minutes of knowledge from the great BJ Armstrong. Real insight into what it's like to be traded as a player, as an executive, as an agent, and also some great stories about some of the greatest players from the 1990s. I hope you enjoyed the show. Yeah. BJ, thank you for sharing that with us. I really enjoyed listening. Oh, man, I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Down, uh, trip back down memory lane, and it's a great game. So as as you're watching, just it's, it's always cool to see new things within the game. The game has evolved, and I, understand, I think I understand why the game has evolved to where it is, because of the accuracy of how these guys are shooting. Like, Mo, I just never had to worry about guys shooting at this distance mm-hmm. with this level of accuracy, right? But but that's a tribute to this generation. On yeah. the on the on the on the whole, as a whole, these guys are better shooters. Yeah. They're, on the whole, I mean, they're all great shooters. Okay. And so that's forced the game to go. But I'm excited to see what's next. I mean, Mo, because we don't know. Like Whoever thought that Steph Curry would have had this effect on the game? Only Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve Curry I mean, and Steph Curry. Shout out to them. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so this is great. So I, I, I can't wait to see what's next. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see. Well, we, you know, I think we talked about some Manute idea. Bowl. We got Bowl Bowl and, and Victor and these guys coming through. So that's what's next. But, um, yes, Victor. I think Victor. Did you see his game winner of the weekend? Did, did you see not. his game winner at the buzzer? I didn't. Oh man, Trevor Waters, former Boston Celtics, took a layup and missed. Wemby's teammate tried to put the ball back in the hoop and missed. Wemby said, "Let me just clean up the mess and slam the ball back in the hoop, secured the win." But that's another oh, episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe, share with a friend, follow on Spotify and Apple five-star reviews and ratings and the other stuff I say at the end of every show. Most importantly, much like Manute Bowl against the Phoenix Suns, get buckets.